Interestingly, I came across theatre and I fell in love with it. Not once ever I've regretted my decision. I think it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. I, I want to be able to be in this field or still act until I'm like 80, 90. Why not? If 100 years old, if I can still act, you know, I'm sure I will find some roles. <laughs> and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast. Sponsored by Harlequin Floors, world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. The Theatre Art Life podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Ana Aguilera. And my name is Anna Rob. On this episode, Francesca Wong joins us to talk about changing careers and entering the performing arts as a young adult. Francesca is a Canadian-born Chinese actress and corporate role player based in Hong Kong. Raised in both Canada and Hong Kong, Francesca graduated from the University of Calgary Haskane School of Business with a Bachelor of Commerce degree in 2012. She worked as a business development officer for two years in Hong Kong. She then returned to follow her passion in drama and studied acting at the Hong Kong Academy for Performing Arts. She received multiple scholarships as well as Outstanding Student Award during her studies. After graduation, she was an actor-in-residence at the We Draman Group in Hong Kong in 2020-2021, and she has performed in multiple stages, TV, film, and voiceover productions. Apart from acting, she has been an MC for multiple events and has great passion for drama education. She has taught drama at different institutions, including the Hong Kong Academy of Performing Arts and local schools in Hong Kong. Outside of work, Francesca is an adventurer, an outdoor lover. She engages in all types of hiking, scuba diving, traveling, and yet to discover other adventures. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Amazing. So very nice to meet you, Francesca. It's interesting to see that you're based in Hong Kong and you, you know, but you're Canadian born. So what brought you back to Hong Kong to live here after being in Canada? Uh, well, well, first of all, because my mom was still living in Hong Kong at the time. Well, she's still living in Hong Kong. And uh, I, you know, I was still young. I was early 20s. I want to have a change. And Hong Kong, it's like a really great place to be in when you're, you know, uh, freshly graduated from uni. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I came back and to explore what's here for me. And you speak Cantonese? Yes, I do. Yeah. Is that, does that, uh, you know, because I, I know well the, uh, the sort of the arts community here in, in Hong Kong, and I feel like you really have to be local speaking to be a real, like, permeate the, the local community because it's quite localised. Do you, do you feel that? Yeah, absolutely. And that is the re one of the main reasons why I went to the Hong Kong Academy for Performing Arts, HKAPA, in order for me to get into the local theatre community and, yeah. So what brought you back to the performing arts? Ah, well, actually, I, my first degree was, you know, as you said, I was in business. I had no idea. But after working for a couple of years full time, I really didn't like my job. I was confused. I was like, what am I doing here? I'm not happy and I'm not contributing anything to myself or to people around me. It's, not, it's nothing meaningful to me. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And then I was like seeking because I'm I'm someone that would take initiatives to try different things. So I, you know, I try, I even try to like be a flight attendant so I can travel around the world. And so, and interestingly, I came across theater and I fell in love with it and just started from that moment on. And I, I was like, okay, fine. If I can't do this 
full-time as my job. I will just do things that I like outside of work, right? I can have nine to six work and then I can have fun after work. But then after like in one course after another, I really liked it. I've never, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't study well. I, I hate going to school, but going to drama classes three hours every night, it was one of the best time in my life. So I was like, this is something that I, I'm really passionate about. So I was like, okay, can I change? Can I actually emerge my passion and career together? That was the big question I asked myself. And then I was like, why not give it a try? And that's how I started. And how is it going? <laughs> yeah, it's been really, really good. I am like, not once ever I've regretted my decision. I think it was the best decision I've ever m- made in my life. And I've been, I graduated three years ago now. So it's been such an amazing journey. Yeah. And you're, you were an actor in residence for We Drama Group. So tell us a little bit about what that is and, and what your, like, what does that entail here in Hong Kong? So basically, majority of the theatre groups here are subsidised by the government funding. So they have this skim. And that year, I was so lucky, it was during 2020 when pandemic hit Hong Kong. And that's when I got offered um, this uh, full-time acting role in this theatre group. It is a small size theatre group and there's only one actor full-time and the rest is by, you know, by job and by kind of freelancing with the company. Um, it was a really interesting opportunity because when people think about acting, they'll be like, oh, I'm just here to act, right? But in my experience with We Drama, it's a really holistic, is that a word? Like, I... Apart from acting, I need to help build the auditorium. We built, I, I had to do lighting, you know, the, I need to sometimes need to cue the show. I actually need to learn all, everything about theater, not just the acting part. And it, it was really, really fun and different. Is there anything um, from the tech side that you keep now that you've moved on from there? Or from the program that you were in? That it was not just acting. Anything else that just stuck with you that you keep and carry on with in your career? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's like how we work with people, like different creatives, you know, in a theater production. It gives me a you know a broader view of theater uh, production. It makes me treasure it more. You know, even to standing on that Molly on that stage that all the sweat that I put into, you know, put that Molly on and put the backdrop on and, you know, everything, <laughs> the lighting, the, you know, it was hard work and it was fun. And you've done some stuff in TV and film and voiceover as well. Has that been locally here in Hong Kong as well? Yes, mainly locally. Uh, well, I've done some like short films that's in English, uh, but they're also Hong Kong produced, but mainly I do theatre. Right. You have two languages that you speak. Is it different for you to perform or to work in different languages? Is it one is one easier than the other, or is is the, do you have a preference? It's very different, but at the same time, as you know, for acting wise, the same. Yeah, I never actually thought about this. I I I, I really enjoy both, and for I think for me, sometimes I really need a, a little bit of time for me to get into the language. So, for instance, if we we're chatting in English right now, and then if I have to like speak in Cantonese, you know, sometimes. I, I need some time to kind of like fully like speak fluently with no accent and, and, and you know, so on. And yeah, but it's just really fun. <laughs> I'm still navigating that. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that the, the, the way that 
you express yourself through language is different because it is a, such a different language and such a different tone and 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 there's a lot of less from what i understand because i can't speak the language myself a lot of a lot of less interpretation in language than you get from like english like english has a lot of description there's a w- lots of ways to describe something in english where it's fairly set in in cantonese is 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 that feel different from the way you express yourself on stage from a language perspective uh, yeah I, I absolutely think so and also like the language i think it's english it's more expressive and as you say the use of language right and i think it's more me in terms of my personality i'm someone that's more expressive you know so i do feel like sometimes when i speak in english or this language itself it it helps me to express myself more than and than chinese it's more subtle the way you express things and you know the words are quite di- quite quite different and i'm not sure it's reserved it's the right, right word but that's how i feel sometimes mm. that's really interesting yeah i was curious in how you what got you into marketing like we we understand that but why didn't you pursue that the acting from the get go and i might be going back a little bit on that conversation I had no idea. I was not someone that had a clear vision of what I wanted to do. Like, you know, from junior high and high school, I was just someone that followed the crowd. I had never once thought about what I wanted to do. You know, a lot of my friends, they would be like, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer and all these things, especially growing in Hong Kong. You know, having these big goals is important. But I was never like that. I, I'm always someone that want to be in the moment and, and just do whatever. And, and, Actually, in Hong Kong, when I was in junior high, before I moved back to Canada, uh, I was the, not the good kid. You know, my report card was all red. So in Hong Kong, it's like if you only get red when you fail the subjects, right? So my report card was like red. You know, I was pretty proud of it. <laughs> back so I never really once thought I would get into university or no, like, I know that was probably be my plan, but I just didn't have a concrete plan. And then when I was in Canada, I had no idea what I want to do, but I know what I can do. I cannot do science because, you know, not very good with the big words and I can't do math, not interested in all these things. I'm like, okay, business. That's what most Chinese people do. Uh, Will get me a good job after graduation. I can able to get a company. All right, that's all right. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, (laughs) that's how I end up doing marketing at the end, really. And now you're a lot into education. And do you think that uh, having a stronger arts program when you were growing up or maybe some other insight to the arts would have helped or change your path? Yeah. In high school in Canada, everyone needs to take drama class, at least for the first year. And then and then it's like kind of electives where it's like a optional class. Right? And I left it and it it's not just about, oh, if you want to perform, then you get to drama class. I think it really helps people to be who they are, express themselves and help with communication and in teamwork and all that, right? And this is something I feel like it's lacking here in Hong Kong, especially the local education system. And because I went to local school in Hong Kong and that was something not, you know, they're, they're not really focusing on creativity, nothing like that. It was, especially the school that I went to, it was more like, you know, oh, you need to get your good grades, good grades, you know, education. And it's very resource orientated in that way. That's interesting that you say that because then that then plays out, in, like you said, in society. If, if 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 people are not getting the opportunity in their youth to explore different avenues, they can take a a long time to find out what they love. And I, I have had those 
conversations with people here uh, a lot because I live here in Hong Kong as well, you know, and they've they've done a long journey to get to the career that they love because they they didn't realize what was out there and uh, that's a shame. I think there there should be that's that's part of why you're involved in the education process now. You want to sort of spread that awareness, yeah. I guess that could be. I mean, that's part of it as well for kids and you know students to really find who they are and in like an extracurricular class like in drama classes right but it's still very difficult because drama classes you were to take it outside of school it's definitely for for um, families that in probably in a better income level right so if you were thinking about um, kids from a lower income family it's really hard for them to ex- get exposed to this right so I, I I do like to get involved in drama classes that tailor for these uh, lower income students where English is not even their first language and then through drama classes you know teach them English you know have fun it's not like oh I'm learning vocabularies and and it is what it is like this in Hong Kong learning English um, from experience and from some of my students sharing with me so through drama how can you through three theater games and actually get to achieve this together and have fun really come on kids needs to have fun <laughs> yeah and you know creativity doesn't necessarily and drama doesn't necessarily need to play out and you becoming an actress or an actor exactly. the, the way that your mind evolves by using creativity is such a great foundation for all all careers I think as well right yeah definitely I I've also been to um, international school in Hong Kong and I can definitely see the big difference creativity I know the critical thinking part is much stronger in international schools where students are more they have the courage and they feel like oh it's okay for them to share their ideas to speak up and even it's even it's very different to what I'm sharing with them you know they, they're willing to share that and, and it's very very different to uh, local schools here. Mm. But like you said a lot of that is a cost prohibitive access to for some local people right and also I mean my son goes to the Faust theater class like that's not a cheap extracurricular activity by any means and I can imagine for a lot of people who live in Hong Kong (laughs) Faust is a theater class uh, and for kids basically here in Hong Kong and I can understand why a lot of people are not able to participate because it's just it's too expensive people are trying to live in Hong Kong on a lower income it's it's tough there's good there's there's lots of wealth inequity in this in this city um for better or for worse but that's what it is yeah it is sad but it is what it is so what's your goals then in terms of acting and 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 where you'd like to go from where you are now to the future is it something that you want to broaden beyond hong kong is it something that you you have a particular career path in mind not really i as i said i'm not someone that I would plan ahead. I don't even know what's my two years plan. I think because I, I'm someone that tends to like live in the moment. Whatever the world gives me the day or this month, I'll do it. And I think that's what makes my life interesting in a way. I think I'm just more open to whatever opportunities. Of course, I would love to be able to be in productions where I have a voice in it, that I can share something that aligns with my values or what I want to share and contribute to this society and I think everybody has their own purpose even like actors and right you have different things you want to share about with people and and I and I think ultimately that's what I really wanted to and of course I want to be able to play different parts and continue to strengthen my craft and you know be someone that it's a versatile actor 
Do you find the approach to the performing arts and theater is different in the more traditional Hong Kong style or like when you're working for local productions than when you work for more like, I don't know, expat or Western productions? Ah, yeah, so different. <laughs> I, like things like being on time, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge difference, you know, being um, a... <laughs> Something about like you know working with expats or like Western companies. You know, lunch is lunch. We're not; <laughs> they're not taking one minute out of your lunch. And Ulti's not. You know, they're trying not to work overtime, which is great culture. Whereas local production is quite different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and then communication wise, and as you know. I think communication is more open in terms of working with expand Western and like there, there, there are opportunities for people from different parties to share. And even I'm just an actor and I'll be able to, the director makes me feel comfortable enough to share my ideas and raise questions or, and, you know, to them. Whereas in, in some local production, I, maybe they're, maybe they're open to, but you don't really feel that comfortable to do that, which is, Kind of in a hidden culture that when nobody's does it and nobody does it kind of thing. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high-quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. And what about the kind of stories each kind of theatre uh, tells and the way they're approached, you know, kind of similar stories, different stories, different approach to the same story? Well, it's really hard to say. I mean, it's not that different. It depends, um, especially theatre-wise. So, well, I when I was in APA, like acting school, uh, we went to uh, RADA in London and we went to Austria, Salzburg, and, you know, had a chance to share with the students there, right? And, you know, one thing we realised, we're not that different. Like, sure, cu culturally we're a bit different, but I think the essence of acting and the different approaches is different. I mean, there are different acting techniques, right? You know, you have the Krotowski and then you have the Slanovlaski and then you have like the Michael Chekhov. And I think it's more in terms of what kind of system you get into, then you kind of get into what kind of productions that, uh, and sort of, you know, your physical theater. Like we were so lucky when I was in year two, I get to, I got to work with Frantic Assembly. They came to Hong Kong to my year and we had like a two week devising workshop and we get to perform the show. And it was amazing. <laughs> And it's not that different. And I think what's great about, you know, you you're, you're obviously mastered the English language and you've got um, Cantonese that, that broadens your vision and horizons of what is possible in terms of artistic expression. And so, if anything, it's an asset, right? And 
and you, as you grow as a performer, you'll see how those things weigh into, you know, understanding both cultural perspectives um, and understanding the differences. And, and that can in itself offer opportunities for you to, if you ever want to write or produce something you're on yourself, by yourself, right? A perspective that others do not have. And I, and I say that because I feel it's important to say that as a expat living in Hong Kong, and I've lived in Asia for 12 years, is that there's a certain wall that I'll never penetrate because I don't understand the language. And I wish I had time to learn the language, but there's a certain cultural understanding. There's only so much I will understand because of it. And that's a shame because I feel like it's my home, but at the same time, there's a whole world there that I don't comprehend or understand. And that's truly for somebody who's only English speaking, it's a, and it's the same with Anna. Anna speaks multiple languages and she has the same exposure and opportunity. And I, I, I just want to acknowledge how much of an asset it is for you. And I think uh, especially to know that and utilise that in your career because it's, 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 it's great. It's awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm still navigating that and see how I can, can yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on it. <laughs> no, just exactly. So navigating that and using that to your advantage because I think that, that also the other thing that's quite interesting is just because there's a lot of doing business here and doing work here, there's a lot of misunderstanding between cultures from the West and, and, and uh, Asian cultures. And I think the way that that can be exposed and talked about and addressed is through the arts. And so what a, what an opportunity for somebody like you on the cusp of both of those to to find something where you can express, that that can be expressed through art, and I think it's cool. Yeah, thank you. Hope I can continue, not to be like the bridge, but definitely something that can work between, yeah. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> so you're also into hiking and diving. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you're talking to the two perfect people because Anna's like a big diver and I'm a massive hiker, so you're already our best friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we need to have like a hiking group. You need to come yeah, to Hong Kong, yeah. Anna. <laughs> uh, yes, I should go to Hong Kong. <laughs> so what's your favourite hiking spot and what's your favourite diving spot? Uh, in Hong Kong, I got to say those waterfall hikes in Lantau. And, you know, the Wong Long Hang stream. And in Hong Kong, there is this, when you hike inside in Lanzhou, uh, there's this, like, 100 meters waterfall straight up. And it was one of the best uh, stream tracking uh, route that I've ever been to. And it was so much fun. And you get to, like, the summer, it's hot, and you get to, like, jump into the pool. You know, <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. I mean, Hong Kong is such a beautiful place to hike. I don't think a lot of people, when if when they, like, before they come, uh, before they come to Hong Kong, they would never think that oh, Hong Kong, it's like a hiking paradise. They would be like, oh, Hong Kong, it's a city, you know, busy and you know, it's just for shopping. But oh man, Hong Kong, it's a gem. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, and it's and so it's, close too, right? Even in the middle of the city, you can hike to the peak and 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 do a oh, massive yeah. hike just outside your doorstep. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was saying like peak and like west, um, high west is my backyard. I live in uh, Pufflum nearby the reservoir, so I can easily hike up to High West and the peak in 30 minutes. And where can you do that? You cannot do that in Canada. <laughs> mm. And yeah. what about diving? Diving, I have got to say the Maldives. It's one of the best places I've ever been to. And probably also is because like it's a few years back. 
everything was so amazing. It was like watching Finding Nemo. It was like I'm in the ocean of like Finding Nemo. Everything, the core was so colorful and all the, you know, the sea turtles, the big rays and everything. And yeah, I'll never, never forget that. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. And I was thinking about this question. I was like, I don't know if actually I want to go back again because I don't want myself to be disappointed because um, I went to the Great Barrier Reefs um, in Cairns and I was a bit disappointed. I was like, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> what was the, what was disappointing about the Great Barrier Reefs dying? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I, I didn't I didn't go there in the best perfect weather. It was a bit rainy and then, you know, a bit of sun and a bit of rainy. But um, I don't know, the, the coral, a lot of them were like dead already and uh, there just weren't too much to see. And and then the, the, the diving guy was like, yeah, it's been a huge change in the past 10 years. Um, yeah. yeah. And well, obviously I'll look into that once, but I know it's really sad. <laughs> mm. I mean, people say it, but I think unless you you get on in the water and you see it for yourself, like you you can't really comprehend what what's happening. And I think it, uh, <laughs> what's happening to the planet is so much more visible if you go into places like that. I think it's quite oh, tangible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anna Aguilera, what's your favorite diving spot? By the way, because I've never asked you this question. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my dives have been in Cozumel and in the Caribbean in general. Ooh. And it's very hard to get me diving anywhere else just because if it's not going to be that pretty and such a perfect water temperature, I get picky. I was like, do I, do I really need to get into cold water? <laughs> do I really need to get in cold water to see nothing? But then yeah. always being in the water is fantastic. But I do want to go to the Maldives. I do want to go to the Seychelles. I don't know about Australia because I think I would have a heartache too. But if I'm there, I'll probably do it. Yeah. I went diving in Oman and it wasn't one of the best dives, but it was really interesting. And I got to see a lot of, in a very short, shallow dive, a very wide diversity of marine life, which was fascinating. But yes, the Caribbean with it's perfect blues, perfect temperature, all the corals, all the fish, the rays, the sharks. It's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, not, you're not getting me in a place where there's sharks and stingrays. I'm sorry. I'm like, you, tapping out. You guys can have that. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, they are I, really beautiful. <laughs> they are. And they're so harmless. I have to agree with you on so, that. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I think my experience has been tough. I, I did my, Francesca, I did my diving certificate in Belgium in December. So it's the middle of winter in a lake and a quarry and it was the most unpleasant and I was doing it because we were building the House of Dancing Water and I wanted to understand what the performers would experience and understand because we're putting the show together so it was important that we understood the underwater environment and so I wanted to, when we got to Macau, wanted to get in the pool and experience it but my gosh my training and you talk about the cold and once I was in like a nine millimeter suit and I had to stay under the water for like 20 minutes for the dive to count and when I came out and I'm not a big woman right so when I came out it's like snowing I'm like my teeth are chattering and I'm like this is the worst why do people do this 
now you talk about these beautiful places, the Maldives and the Caribbean. I'm like, okay, well, maybe maybe I should have tried in those locations and I'll have a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, it would be slightly different. <laughs> yeah. Or Anna, just like do a few dives in Hong Kong. There are a few really good spots in Hong Kong. Definitely better than your <laughs> cool like. Yeah, I should I should do that actually. I should get the get the kit back on and and, and get back in there because I don't want to I don't want to not be. That was my experience, and then the only other time is in the pool at the House of Dancing Water, which is a fantastic experience because you're watching a show from underwater in a scuba environment, right? But uh, it's not like being in the open ocean for sure. No, and in Hong Kong, you guarantee you won't see sharks and uh, rays. Rarely we no. see them, so you're good. Rarely, <laughs> rarely. <laughs> You'll be so lucky <laughs> if you do. See if it. I see one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true that watching a show underwater—that's also one of the best dives. The to me, the way the lights reflect underwater and how they play at the surface and the bottom, and when you have a performance coming or when you have bubbles coming up, and then how the light reflects is just—it's—it's it's a trip, but it's a fascinating trip. I love it. Oh, wow. Well, it's like nothing else, is it? Like there's really no, you don't see a show in that perspective ever really. And so it, it is a unique experience. I hope the yeah. show comes back so we can do it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad I watched it. It was phenomenal. Is there something from all these adventures that, I don't know, fit you artistically as well or creatively as a performer? Well, I think it's just for me as a whole being, you know, I really like this phrase. It's like, I need to allow my soul to catch up with my body. You know, sometimes when you just go into theater and you just do, 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 you kind of forget who you are and, you know, just about living. And I think for me being in the nature, that helps me. So I think it's somehow connected in a way. Because I remember when I was in APA four years, I had no life. All we do was just study and then we'll rehearsal and then we'll, you know, be in performance and, you know, and all this. And I was just exhausted. And there's no room for creativity at all. Yeah, sometimes yeah, I, I like to step away from like artistic things, you know, like step away from theater for me to get new perspectives in life. Yeah. It's a great way of articulating it because I don't think I've ever, I feel the same, but I've never articulated it in that manner. I think that it's really important not to just be so immersed in the work because creatively you need space to grow, right? And if you don't recoup, then it's, it's how do you grow, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it's like a marathon, right? I I, I want to be able to be in this field or still act until I'm like 80, 90. Why not? If 100 years old, if I can still act, you know, I'm sure I will find some roles. <laughs> I think it's the long run. I need to make sure I have a work-life balance. That's something that I'm that I hold on to. It's important. Do you want to speak a little bit more about that work-life balance? And is it hard, easy? What do you do to be able to to keep it I'm still learning it but I've realized this is what gives me gives me most peace and most strength to do what I do um, I remember when I first graduated I was constantly anxious because being a freelancer is hard and you know I'm constantly thinking oh am I gonna uh, continue being an actor or you know will I have income you know when's my next job you know I'm constantly worrying about the next thing coming right and because of that I I, w I won't allow myself to rest. You know, even Sunday I'm working. I, I'll, you know, and I'll think about the next job in next month and so. But then I realized I, it was not, not healthy for me. 
But in, a, in, in like a fast paced living city in Hong Kong, for, for instance, if you were to ask anybody on the streets, they will say otherwise. They're like, I have no time. I have to do it. And, you know, but I think this is more excuse. I think it's take practice to slow down, not do anything and have me time. And um, that's why I'm practicing right now. So a couple of weeks ago, I went for a retreat. I, I went to Lama, um, this little beautiful flat and with a rooftop. And I purposely, I say, I won't go on social media. I won't communicate with anyone unless it's like emergency. So for, for me to just rest, um, yeah, for my soul to keep my body. And then, oh, man, it was an amazing experience. Like a week after, I feel like, ah, oh, I'm like lighter and I have more energy and I have more desire to do what I need to do. That's super cool, especially in a place like, you know, Hong Kong has such a hardworking culture mentality, right? Work, work, work. It's it's something that is bred into the, and it's admirable, right? Because people work really hard and they, they, they don't mind doing the long hours and all of that sort of stuff. So to be able to resist that and, and find the balance within that is, is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Still practicing. I'm still learning. <laughs> it's really hard. I think setting the boundaries is hard. Like I'm learning not to message someone like work related to someone on like a Sunday, let's say, or if they're rest day, it's like Monday that I, I need to learn not to do that. So then I give people space for them to rest. But I realize it's not like this in Hong Kong. You know, we people text you and about work three in the morning, you know, on a Sunday or like whatever people's resting. And it's just exhausting. So what would you say is your favorite thing about the job? I guess for me, it's to experience the the, it, um, the adventurous part of me being fulfilled because it's quite adventurous, you know, doing different things every month and and or so and meeting different people and you, the constant changing of working environment. I think that's one of the best parts. And I get to meet so many different people. Because when I was working in theater, you, you only, in the group, you only see those few peoples, right? But when, when I'm like freelancing, I just get to meet so many different people. And I love, and I love that. Like today, I get to meet two Annas and, and, and just, oh, and then two Annas love hiking. You know, it was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Great. What would be one thing about the industry that you'd change if you had the opportunity or your job, if you could? Not my job because my job is already constantly changing. <laughs> I think for me, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think from a actor point perspective, I think it's the open opportunity uh, auditions opportunity. There's not a lot in Hong Kong. I, I, I'm like I'm talking about like professional theater groups, right? Which is not the best practice if you if you were to ask me because a lot of people don't get the opportunities just to go and audition. And going on audition is actually a really good practice for actors. But one of the culture here is once you work with a group of people, the theater group will constantly work with the, that group of people. Obviously, in, in a way, it's great because once you have that working relationship, it's just easier, you know, make the production and, and the working experience better. But at the same time, what about the newly grads? What about other actors that, you know, are out there looking for jobs, but we just don't have the opportunities? I think that's just definitely one thing I would like. Oh, I really encourage the industry to do more. And it's actually some theater groups are doing that, but not all. Great. Well, thank you so much, Francesca, for joining us today. That was a really interesting conversation with a fellow Hong Konger. So um, really yeah. enjoyed that. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and all your shared stories.
Yeah, thank you so much for having me, uh, Anna and Anna. And uh, it's really great to see that you're also in Hong Kong. I hope I get to bump into you maybe in Lantau, in the mountains somewhere. Theater Art Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.